because I had a lot of trauma prior that I hadn't fully dealt with, I thought moving to Ottawa would solve all my problems. I could run away from my problems, but it never obviously happens that way. You're listening to Create Community. I'm your host, Marsha Drucker. On this podcast, we're exploring the human side of community. I'm chatting with some amazing community builders to define what community truly means. Joining me today is Jodi Ann Beckford. Jodi Ann is one of the most talented yet humble and selfless people that I'm proud to know. She's a photographer, personal support worker, and community builder. Jodi Ann started the e-project to showcase and connect aspiring creative entrepreneurs. She also recently launched the community called Noir Girls Plant to foster healing through plants and highlight and connect Black people who have a love for the outdoors. Jodi Ann and I chat about mental health, imposter syndrome, and creating community to ground yourself and find meaning and beauty in the world. So with that, let's jump right into it. Hi, Jodi Ann. Welcome to the Create Community Podcast. Super excited to chat with you today. Hi, Marcia. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Well, to jump into it, I really love to get an understanding of how my guest actually became a community builder and what your upbringing and early career was like. So take me back to your high school days. I know that's kind of a random place to start, but tell me about the younger Jodi Ann. What were some of your interests, extracurriculars, maybe like part-time jobs? Well, <laughs> it's actually an extremely loaded question for me, only because my high school experience was horrible, mainly because I grew up in Durham. So back then, the diversity wasn't, I mean, it was lacking. And I guess just because of the times, like growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, not a lot of people of color or Black people were in really in Durham. You know more people in Toronto. So it was hard because first, when it came to the education system, it was kind of, how do I say this? I'm trying not to be negative, but it was a negative experience. So I would say starting from like senior kindergarten, I was labeled as someone that needed extra help. So I'm going to say like a person with, I guess, a disability. And that's the words that they use. So that's why I'm kind of saying that. So it kind of marked me as someone that just was not smart. And it was very interesting because my parents didn't know me to be that until I started school. And my mom really struggled with that because I knew my numbers. I knew my alphabet. I could actually spell pretty decently for someone that was in kindergarten. And I did hooked on phonics as well. And that was from when we lived in the States. So my mom started me very young with the hooked on phonics. And when we moved to Canada, she continued on with it. And then I started school. So I honestly wish I could remember a time, even like within kindergarten, that I guess where I struggled, but they apparently saw something. And I was also a kid that was very hyper, very happy and jolly at one point. It did change, but at one point I was that child. And then fast forward to high school, I carried all of that throughout all of elementary school because I wasn't in my regular classes with everyone else. I was in separate classes. So I was only in regular class maybe an hour and then the rest of it was in the other classes. And that already makes you stand out. And then the other kids are like, oh, like what's wrong with you? So that's how the bullying started. And being the only black kid, especially black girl, that made it kind of more, I guess, heightened in a sense. Carrying that into high school same thing. I was in different classes. I was able to be more involved, I guess, in the, in the regular classes and applied. 
So again, the bullying continued and then going into, I guess, leading into grade 10, I had the option to exempt out of that. And then I wanted to take academic, but that was me just trying to see if I could actually do it. But, you know, the guidance counselor and the teachers were like, no, you should really stick to applied or even lower. But they said, just stick to applied. That's your level. And even when I wanted to apply for school, it was still the same kind of like, no, like you should take something more in your education level. So like a janitor, <laughs> I was told a janitor, I was told maybe a daycare teacher, not that those jobs are bad, but they just didn't see anything more for me because of how I was taught in school and just no one really pushed me. It was rough. Like high school was really, really, really hard. So I graduated applying for ECE. Not that that's bad. Again, I don't regret taking that course, but I do regret not advancing and maybe taking a step up, like maybe getting an undergrad or trying to apply as a church student to get like a degree in teaching or something. But my confidence in the education system and myself was so shot down that I just didn't even want to bother. So I just kind of just believed what they told me. And that's kind of something that even now I really struggle with. It's definitely a battle and that kind of goes into my depression anxiety. But at the same time, as an adult, I'm relearning a lot of things about myself that I had no idea when I was younger. Thank you for sharing all of that. I hadn't realized that you had that experience in your education. I think one thing that I'll say, and it's, you know, it's really clear and we'll get into all of these themes throughout this episode, but I think your education at the end of the day, it doesn't define you. It does impact how you think about yourself and how you think about the world. And it's, it's really awful that you've had those experiences, but you've achieved such incredible things. And it's so amazing that that didn't hold you back, even though they really tried to. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. What did you end up studying in post-secondary? It was ECE. So early childhood education. That's all I took for a while. I did. I graduated. I did finish. And then later on, I thought maybe I'd want to do nursing. So I did take PSW. So I have that as well. But again, with confidence issues, I didn't advance further than that in terms of, I guess, education. But I will say, just going back to high school real quick, some of the interests I did have, I would say is like photography, funny enough, not realizing that that was something I was going to do later on. But my art teacher said that I was really good at photography and I had an eye. And that's one of the, I would say, positive things that I did experience in school with a teacher. That's really awesome. I'm sure, you know, that was something that encouraged you to get into that later on. And how did you end up starting your career? So out of ECE, I actually started working in a daycare (laughs) and I did that for about almost two years and I was not happy. I was in it and I think a year and a half in, I really questioned my life. And I mind you, I was 22. So I still was just like, is this it? Is this the rest of my life? Because I genuinely thought that was the rest of my life, just working as a daycare teacher. And again, not to say that's bad for anyone that does do that. But for me, I didn't feel fulfilled. It didn't feel like enough for me. And so I struggled with that. And that kind of, you know, led into my personal life. And a lot of things happened with the relationships, like with a boyfriend. I had to leave that job. And then it kind of led into the job of where I'm working right now. And I've been there here actually ever since. That's amazing. So where are you now? Tell me a little bit about the work that you do and how it ultimately shapes your 
perception of community and just life in general as well? So right now I work for a company called Christian Horizons. They're government funded and they support individuals with special needs and it's all adults, so 18 and over. So whether it's adults on the spectrum, uh, so autism, Down syndrome, a variety of different neurological disorders. So really, I mean, disabilities across the board, that's who they support. So in my role, depending on what home, because they are broken down by group homes, so it's 24-hour care. So I work in a group home as well, but now I'm more so working one-on-one with an individual. How did you end up pursuing photography? Like, how did you first get into it? And how did you end up progressing in it as well? So with, funny enough, the job that I'm working at right now, it really did lead me into photography in a very interesting way. And when I say that in the sense of just kind of discovering people in a new way. So prior to working where I'm working now, I had never really worked with anyone with the needs that I care for right now to that extent. So it really showed me just how more special people can be, no matter how different they are. And it just opened up my eyes to just see, I don't know, see people differently. And it made me want to capture that. So I started like obviously with permission, taking photos of like, you know, Libby going trips and things and I take photos. I seemed I really enjoyed that. And it kind of reminded me of what I did in high school. And then at the time too, while I was I was actually living in Toronto in this moment, and my cousin, which he owns a creative agency in Ottawa, he had reached out to me and just through conversations we had had, I just wasn't in a really good place. And he gave me a really good opportunity to move to Ottawa to help him kind of build his company. And at the time it was just photography based. So I was gonna be his assistant photographer slash administrative assistant. So I moved to Ottawa for a new perspective, just fresh start. And I still kept the job that I have right now because they were also located in Ottawa. So I was still able to maintain, I guess, relationship with the company. And they started doing more photography with him, helping him, going to different meetings, branding sessions, all these different things. And I learned a ton from him. His company's Godspeed Communications. And it really, really helped me, I would say, be the photographer and the person I am today. And it's also helped with the job that I work with because it allowed me to have even more patience than I already had to kind of learn to have working with people with disabilities. Because when you're not in those, if you're not in that setting all the time, you learn different things. You learn new things about yourself. So patience is, I guess, for me, one of the main things I learned just to have more patience, more respect for people, things like that. So that I was able to take those skills and use it in photography. Yeah, absolutely. And you've grown so much in photography. Like, I think you're, you're so humble in, in the way that you speak about it, but you're one of the best photographers that I know. My most like favorite picture of myself is the one that you took. And I know over the years you've worked with some incredible brands. Like I know you've worked with Nike and so many others. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to jump into the e-project, which is a really exciting content platform and community that you've built. So what was it that inspired you to start the e-project and what is it? The e-project is definitely a long-ish story, so I'll do my best no, to, take uh, your time. <laughs> to kind of get through it. So as I kind of was saying before about working in auto with my cousin, I loved working with him, real brilliant uh, brand strategist. And so after working with him and learning so much about photography, I got to a point where I was doing a lot with him. I learned a lot from him, mind you. I didn't really 
take the time to get to know myself within the industry of photography. It was more so like his clients and doing his stuff. And like I did stuff here and there on my own and tried to do some creative shoots. But for the most part, I just felt kind of stuck and I felt like I wasn't doing enough creatively. So in saying that, I got into like a really deep depression about that. And because I had a lot of trauma prior that I hadn't fully dealt with, I thought moving to Ottawa, it would solve all my problems. I could run away from my problems, but it never obviously happens that way. And when you don't deal with things, they will manifest and they will come up in other areas. So working with him, I guess it was amazing, but I just found myself getting in a really deep depression and I just was not happy anymore. And it wasn't so much not happy working with him, but it was more so I just felt lost and I didn't know who I was or what I was doing there anymore. And I just didn't know what I was doing creatively. Like, am I actually a photographer or am I just a photographer's assistant? So I literally was home one night and I was just crying. Like I was crying, crying, crying. I was probably at my lowest point I had been at in a very, very long time. And I was at the point of suicide. I mean, I kind of always have had suicidal thoughts, even like as a child. But I guess at the time for me, it was like next level. Like I was ready to do it like then and there. Don't want to be here anymore. I also grew up in the church. So again, there was like that guilt factor (laughs) as well. Like you're not supposed to have those thoughts as a Christian. So as I'm there crying and like calling out to God, I'm just like, I don't want to be here. Like, just please end this. It was weird. I heard like a voice (laughs) in a sense. It's weird to say, but it felt very clear as day and like very, very real to me. And at the time too, I had like a notebook and a pen. So I was trying to write, but I was struggling with even writing anything down to make me feel better because I was crying, like asking, like say, basically saying to God, like, what should I do? What can I do? And phrase e-project literally popped in my head. Like, that's it just the E project. And so I wrote it down and then I was like, what the heck does the E stand for though? Like, what is, I don't understand. Like the E pro, I don't get it. So I'm like, at this point I stopped crying, but I was still like just confused. And I'm like, whatever, I wrote it down. And at that point I started getting all these ideas in my head of like what this E project could possibly be. I was like, what makes people happy? I'm like, I'm not happy in this moment. I'm not, I haven't been happy in a long time. How can I get happy? And I was like, I would love to know. And this is me. I'm literally talking out loud to myself saying this. And I'm like, I would love to know what makes other people happy. Like, I want to know what that is because I'm not happy. So I wrote that down as well. And because I guess was a quote unquote entrepreneur in a sense, I was meeting other creatives within Ottawa. And I was like, maybe I can ask people that I've met that have their own businesses or as a photographer or an artist, like what makes them tick? Like what makes them happy? At the same time, I was like, I don't know a lot of artists in Ottawa that I guess talk about that or I don't hear it often because Ottawa is really known as the government capital. Like it's the government capital, like a lot of government businesses are there. It's seen as this like sleepy sort of city. But I think there are a lot of incredible people there building very cool things. You just you have to find them. You really have to like find your community of people there. You really, really do. And at the time that I was there, this was 2013. So Ottawa wasn't booming yet. Like people didn't really talk about Ottawa like that yet. But 
now you obviously hear a lot more. So I kind of wanted to also expose that or try in some way to kind of share Ottawa's art side. So I called a friend up that I had met there and I said, do you mind if I meet up with you and ask you questions? So in the midst of all of this, this is all like from me crying and like writing it down and like talking to myself in a sense, asking myself questions. I kind of forgot that I was sad because I was starting to get so obsessed and engulfed with this new journey of figuring out what makes people happy so then I can be happy. That was like, I feel like the fuel for the e-project in the very beginning and what kept me going for the first two years because it was just a blog. Like the e-project was not a podcast whatsoever. I would meet up with people, ask them questions, and then they would answer the questions and then I would take their portraits. I have a black book that I would get everyone to write in just to kind of give me like a message of if someone else were to read it, what would they want them to feel by reading their words? But secretly, it was more so for me, but I never said, hey, write me a message. I just said, write a message to someone. But really, the book was actually for me. (laughs) So it was a very selfish uh, project in the beginning, and it still kind of is, to be honest. The more people I interviewed, the more people said yes, because, you know, people want to see like you're consistent and they want to see that you're not just doing this and then you're never going to post it. I moved back to Oshawa in 2015, did it for 2015 to 2017. And then March of 2017, I launched the podcast. Like something just spoke to you. And I can relate to that feeling when I started Fuck Up Nights. I was also in very dark sort of depressed period of my life. I had just come back from living abroad in Tel Aviv and I had gotten out of a relationship there and, you know, I moved back in with my parents and I was looking for my next step and was just having zero luck. And I remember having weeks, not even days, just weeks where I was like lying on the couch, like crying, had no idea what I was going to do next with my life. And then just like fuck up nights was something that came back to my mind just from something that I attended in Tel Aviv and I started to get going on it. And once you start making progress in something, it's like you said, like I just felt like kind of engulfed in it and it gave me so much motivation and things really started kind of turning up for me afterwards. So something that I really admire about the e-project is that, you know, it's so much more than just a podcast or so much more than a blog. You're really connecting the people that you're featuring through this content to each other and really creating community around it. Can you tell me a little bit more about what some of those community efforts looked like and how you actually went about connecting these people to each other? I didn't realize it was a community, to be honest, because I kind of started off as just something. It was a very selfish, (laughs) personal project. But then when I started getting messages from people, when I had turned it into a podcast, I don't know, it just started to show me that this was bigger than me. Like this was more than just for me. It was genuinely helping other people. So because of that, I decided to launch a live podcast, which was my first event. So this was in 2018, so a year after the podcast launched, I did a panel and I brought together four people that I had previously interviewed and I kind of picked them based off of the listens and just which interviews got the most engagement because I really wanted to give people that would be attending the opportunity to ask them questions in person now because they went from it would be a blog or them reading, then listening to now seeing them in person. So I did that and I was sponsored graciously by the creator class, which is free space to studio downtown. 
people came, they got to meet them in person, ask them questions. Uh, and I wanted to really make it interactive. So I did ask them questions like follow up questions about, you know, where are they now kind of thing and what things have they learned? You know, what maybe changed after the podcast? It was an amazing event. So I, I don't know if you remember, it was a while ago, but I was there and I got so much out of it. Like I was so inspired by the panel. And then I made some awesome connections at that event that I, I still keep in touch with. So Pollyanna Reed was one that really jumps to mind. And, you know, we kept in touch and she ended up speaking at one of my fuck up nights events at, at a special edition that we did at Slack where we focused on women and failure. So, you know, she shared her story there. It was incredibly vulnerable. And that's where we first connected, at, you know, at that event. And then later she actually wrote a story in Forbes about what fuck up nights is and the sharing my journey. So it was just such an incredible connection all around. And I met some other amazing people there as well that, you know, I still keep in touch with. So I know that the E project, it's evolved since there as well. The E stands for something different now. Can you tell me a little bit about that and sort of like what your vision is for the future of it? So yeah, originally when I named it or got the name, <laughs> the E project, I guess I never really said it stood for anything. It kind of was more so insinuated because a lot of people that I was interviewing were creatives and entrepreneurs. So it kind of was people just assumed it stood for entrepreneur. And granted, I mean, for myself as well, I was like, yeah, it stands for entrepreneur because I mean, it makes sense, but I just never put it out there, the entrepreneur project. I just put the E project. And at the same time, I really wanted people to look at the E as something different. I wanted them to connect with it in a way that where they thought like it meant something totally different for them. Now, I guess fast forward a couple of years, I have officially gave the E a permanent name. <laughs> so right now the E officially stands for Epiphany. So now it's the Epiphany Project. And the reason for the name, I guess now it's more apparent is because the time that I was in my darkest times, the E Project was my epiphany moment. It was like a light bulb, a switch went off for me where with the help, I would say obviously from like basically crying out to God, I feel like he gave me that. So that was like, again, my light bulb moment where I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to see where this goes. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember when you first kind of announced it and, you know, listening to your episode where you shared a little bit of your personal story and coming back with that name. I, I remember just like getting goosebumps because it just really resonated with me. And it's so true. Like, I think anybody who's kind of a creative or an entrepreneur or just a professional in their field, like really like taking risks and innovating and doing new things. I think we all kind of have that moment where we can kind of look back on and it was really pivotal. I want to shift gears again and chat about a new community that you started. Can you tell me a little bit about Noir Girls Plant and you know what inspired you to start it and what is it? I feel like everything I do starts from the, this dark, dark, <laughs> <laughs> dark place and I'm always like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? So <laughs> all jokes aside, I started Noir Girls Plant at a time where, again, I was just sad didn't know where life was going. And it's funny because sometimes you think when you have everything, you you feel like you have nothing. Like outwardly, people look at you and you're like, oh my gosh, you're doing so amazing. Like you have everything you want. You have a great podcast. You have a good job. But you could secretly be a hot mess on the inside. So this happened, I would say late July. I 
got to a point where, again, I was just not really happy with myself again and feeling very guilty and very hard on myself because I had taken a break from the e-project. So all of 2019, I think I had posted only one episode. So I was feeling guilty with that. I was dealing with my depression. I was also dealing with just not feeling good about myself, like loving myself, like just not being healthy, gaining a lot of weight. Like it just, a lot of things were just like snowballing, like one thing after the other. So at this time as well, we were redoing the backyard and we were forever redoing the backyard. <laughs> but she would ask me to come and help her. And I was like, okay. And of course I huffed and puffed because I don't care about plants. At the time I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to put stones down, but whatever. I'm going to do it because you asked me to. And while being outside, I don't know. Like, I, I remember that day specifically, I was actually very annoyed with something. I can't remember what it was, but I just was not in the best mood. And I went outside to help my mom and not really being, I guess, conscious conscious of it, but my bad mood went away. I didn't look at it as it had anything to do with the plants or being outside. I just thought maybe I just needed some fresh air. And then a few times after that, I actually asked her if she wanted to go outside. And then I think that's when it clicked to me that I was like, huh, like I normally wouldn't do that. I'm like, why? Then I was like, is being outside, like, is that what it is? Like, do I like being outside? I was like, okay, maybe I do. And then at one point I was helping her like move a plant. And there was something that when I touched the soil and like, I just felt something and it felt like, yeah, it was dirty, (laughs) but I felt like this peace. So I guess at that point I kind of realized, I'm like, okay, so this is different. Like there's something that's happening here with me and plants and nature that I have not really experienced since I was a child. Because when I was a kid, I loved being outside. I loved climbing trees. I loved like doing all the outdoor stuff. So I decided that I wanted to continue this feeling. And I was like, I want to get like a plant or something like in my room. I went online and I was like researching plants and researching like what plants are good for to keep in your bedroom and all. And I was now like engulfed and obsessed. Like I was like, wow, like I'm learning all these new things about having plants in your space and how beneficial it is for your mental health. Like I was just introduced to a whole new world. But within that research, I also noticed a huge disparity in the lack of representation for people of color and black people. Every time I Google something or like an image or even Pinterest or trying to get inspiration on, you know, like what plants to get or anything plant related, really, it was very easy to find, say, white people or European like people in that setting. Found maybe one or two images of like an indigenous person or a person of color or a black person. Like it was just so rare to me. I'm like, there's no way that we're not in this community. There's no way there's not a community of people of minorities within the plant community. I was like, I refuse to believe that. So I went on to Instagram and I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a page because I don't know anyone. Like I haven't found it yet. I'm going to create a page. I didn't want to use the word black, but I still wanted to use the word without using it. So I was like, I'm going to be fancy and use noir just because I, I feel fancy. And then literally the next day I created the page and I posted my first thing of like top five plants to whatever to have in your space. And when you make a new page, your explorer page will kind of show you different things. Started finding more plant people, again, white. But at the same time, I started finding like one or two people of color or black people in the plant, in the horticulture community. I didn't care how many followers they have, whether they had one or two, I followed them right away. 
as soon as I followed them, it gives you like recommendations and they were following other people of color and black people. And I was like, what? And so I would follow them. And then I just became like, again, a snowball effect where I was following, following, following. And I was blown away by the amount of people that minorities that were in the plant community that even had us following as high as a hundred thousand. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's not that they weren't there. It's that one, I didn't know. And two, honestly, the exposure, I guess, wasn't as much as the white counterparts. That really is amazing. And again, you did something so awesome with it and that you were sharing content and it was more of like a content platform to like connect people, but then it started evolving into a community where you were physically bringing people together. Can you tell me about what some of those efforts looked like and how it evolved over time as well? After finding people that were Black people, people of color, and Indigenous people, after discovering those people and following them, I started connecting with them. So I would send them messages, wanting to just learn more because I still consider myself, again, a baby within this community. It's not something that I necessarily have a huge knowledge on. Like I'm still learning every day, but I'm learning as I go. So I asked them questions. I would connect with them. I started being invited to groups. So that was another way of meeting people. And because, again, this was something I just wanted to share my love for plants and how it was helping my mental health, I decided to actually brand the page. And I got a logo created, Noir Girls Plant. Like I hired a graphic designer, one of my friends, she helped me with it. And then my friend Leslie, she also helped me as well. And so I decided okay, I needed an official bio. <laughs> So I put in the bio a space dedicated to fostering healing through plants, affirmations, and more. When I did that, I started getting a ton of new followers that were asking me questions about plants and they were brand new themselves. And then I was like, I said, I would love to go to an event where we could talk about plants and mental health. And I Googled it, couldn't find anything. So a friend said to me, why don't you create one? I'm like, I I'm just learning about plants. I don't know if anyone wants to hear what I have to say. And she's like, look, she just encouraged me. And I was like, okay. And so I created the event. I got sponsors. I was able to purchase plants at a really good rate to give out as a, the goodie bags. And the first event was sold out within a week and a half and it was 30 to 35 women and they all came we had a guided meditation we had a yoga session we had brunch at the same time we got to have a conversation about plants and mental health and it was just so special to come together with people like like-minded people that are basically going through the same thing you are and learning how they're finding healing through plants as well that for me was like that I was gold. I was like, so I'm not the only one. Like, this is amazing. That's such a strong connection, like mental health plants. I've seen this like meme or this like little like Instagram graphic thing going around how humans are very similar to plants. And it's like, we're basically a plant because it's like, we need water, we need sunlight, we need somebody to take care of us.
you've been able to still, you know, foster these conversations and to keep the community growing. And then now you've started doing something really exciting, I think, with doing hikes and bringing people together in that way. Can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like? So we're in COVID, right? Quarantine and all these things. And although I had my plants, they're amazing. But at the same time, they can only do so much. At the end of the day, you have to also put in the work. So quarantine happened. I was like, I miss people. (laughs) And I think a lot of us felt that or still feel that. And there's this fear of like being near people. But which I mean, granted, obviously we know why, but I wanted to do something where kind of like share my new love for hiking. That's been very new for me because I couldn't really be around people. I was walking a lot. I was like, let me get outside. I was walking. I was hiking. That's kind of another way I found my peace, not just with watering my plants and tending to them, but actually physically being outside and, and just breathing in the fresh air and just being surrounded by these big, strong, like trees that have been there for hundreds of years. Like there's just so much history with nature as well. So I went on an actual hike a few weeks prior to the one that I had planned and it was in Caledon and it was so beautiful. And I was like, I want to share this. Like, this is so cool. So I put a post out on my Instagram saying that would anyone be interested in going on like a group hike? People responded yes. So I planned it. I said, okay, we're going to do a hike. And long story short, I did the hike with a few people and it was amazing. It was so much fun. Uh, it, It was really, really, really special. I just share with people, especially I want to say, I keep saying people of color and black people, because when you think of nature and hiking and camping and all these outdoor things, you don't necessarily automatically think of us. Like you don't think of black people or people of color. You see pictures of like white people and not that that's bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I just want to help to add to the awareness that we like those things as well and that we do do those things. Like there's even a wonderful, amazing girl in Vancouver her name is uh, Juju and she has an organization called Color the Trails and they go mountain biking they go camping they go hiking like they do so many things it's a black woman as well and she started that in Vancouver and I love what she's doing because it just again it shows the visibility of like we are here we're in this community as well and I think it's also our responsibility to make ourselves seen It's so important. And I think it's such a brilliant idea as well. Like the most brilliant ideas are really simple sometimes. It makes so much sense with like just the times that we're in, you know, feeling safer outside, being able to social distance outside. But it's also just so in line with the brand that you're building and and the type of community that you're trying to build as well. So we're recording this in July and, you know, the last couple of months have been really heavy for your community throughout the Black Lives Matter movement. How did you navigate this time and how did you and your community support each other during this time? I would say in this time when the George Floyd and everything happened around Taylor, just everything that was happening, I had a really rough time along with other uh, countless other people. And seeing that video of him just, I'm not going to lie, broke me to the point where like I called one of my friends like hysterically crying, like I just don't understand. Like, what is it? It's just melanin. Like, I don't understand. Like, why? And interestingly enough, I haven't actually been able to say this without actually crying because every time I bring this up and talk about that specific moment that I was crying, I cry. So this is actually the first time I haven't. But I would say seeing that just like I said, it broke 
me and I was only able to maintain somewhat of my mental through friends being there for one another and it actually brought me a lot closer to God to be honest it kind of opened up my eyes to just holding on to that hope that there's more after this life if I got myself obsessing over like this is it like this is it this is the world that we live on the planet we live on and for my sanity i had to draw closer to something else and that was for me that was my piece and when it comes to black lives matter i don't want to get too in depth with it but i will say that i don't 100 support everything that they're about i do support the movement of what it stands for when it comes to black lives matter about wanting equality wanting just people to see us as everyday people wanting to see us as just like humans basically like treat us with respect but when it comes to some of the things that i have personally researched and things that friends i know have also researched the organization itself there's a few things where i have issues with but with the movement of black lives i'm 100 for that and just really want that to come across that we literally just want to be treated the same as everybody else but I also understand we live in a very imperfect world and it's going to take a lot of time for things to change and a lot of work. So with Noir Girls Plant, what is your vision for the future of the community? I definitely want to continue on with the events that I've been doing. I cannot wait till we can actually do like live like events events. So I'm really excited about just doing more workshops on planting and just really incorporating mental health and planting and how that's kind of intertwined and just kind of just sharing more of the knowledge of how much we are connected to plants more than we think. And I want to also highlight people that have been in the plant community that are people of color to kind of come on and share their expertise. I want to continue doing hiking and I want to transition that into maybe even a retreat where it's like a camping retreat, either in a cottage or even like traditional camping. So cool. I'm so excited to watch it grow and see how it evolves. I think you're onto something really amazing here and there's so much promise for it. So I want to chat a little bit about imposter syndrome. It's a theme that's come up in quite a few of these episodes. I think it's something that community people really feel and struggle with. And I think for you, especially just, you know, based on some of the experiences that you've shared, and then also, you know, just in your career as a photographer, you're really used to being behind the scenes and, you know, not really having the spotlight on you. So what has it been like for you stepping into your confidence and, you know, stepping into the spotlight to lead your own communities and, you know, to launch these kinds of initiatives? It's been very eye opening. It's really shown me abilities about myself that I had no idea that I had. It's like they were buried and by, I guess, just stepping out and taking a chance on myself, they were like birthed in a sense. And it's so interesting how much the lack of confidence can hold you back and how what you think you believe about yourself can hold you back. Because if I honestly continue to believe, and I still struggle with this, but I'm more self-aware of it. But if I continue to believe all of the negative things that I was told when I was younger and even into my mid-adulthood, 
if I held on to all those negative things of thinking like I wasn't smart and all these different things, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Imposter syndrome is, man, it's a huge lesson to learn to kind of like get out of it. But I'm really happy that I was able to learn more about myself because if I didn't take a chance on myself and you talk about this a lot as well with F Up Nights Toronto, because a lot of times people that speak at your event, they went through some really hard shit. Like they really went through it. But at the end of the day, they took a chance on themselves because at the times when you think no one else is going to take a chance on you. And then when you actually take it on yourself, it's like, I believe this false narrative about myself this entire time, but like, look what I've done. I totally agree with you on that. And it is a big theme in my events because, you know, failure and imposter syndrome and, and, you know, confidence and resilience, I think they all kind of go hand in hand. Like you have to be humble and you have to be authentic, I think, to build a really strong community. I think if you're there to be in the spotlight or if, you know, if you don't have any doubts about what you're building, it's, I don't know if it's a strong in a way because it's like you almost kind of have to go through that. So I want to chat a little bit about your personal community and what that looks like. What are some communities that you're part of and why are they meaningful to you? Right now, I would say, I guess, which is so odd for me to say, because I never thought of myself as someone that would fit in this community. But I would honestly say the wellness, wellness, fitness community. It's so interesting. And I say that because I've struggled with like my weight basically half my life. So the new journey of like embarking on with hiking and walking and being outdoors and just kind of getting exercising, which I never really thought about it as exercising. I just like started walking. But then I guess not, I guess, realizing it actually is exercise at the same time. It's healthy as well. But through doing that, I've been able to connect with other people that also hike and walk and I've connected with them and I've done yoga and I've done all these different things that I kind of didn't really see myself doing or fitting into. But now that I'm doing them and I've been really consistent with it, I see changes in my body. I see changes in my inside, like just feeling better about myself, wanting to actually do better. And even my church as well, because of COVID, I haven't been able to go to church, but now it's kind of opening up a little bit more. But I was able to connect with the community, go out doing church on Zoom and going to Bible study and different things. So that community as well has really helped me with staying sane (laughs) and just been very encouraging. So important. I think both of those things, you know, on a spiritual level, physical level, and being able to connect with like-minded people. So this is a little bit of a strange question, but I love asking it and I love hearing people's responses to it. How do you choose your people? You know, really like the, the five or six people that are closest to you that you spend the most time with. And I'm still learning about myself because there's things about myself where I'm learning to unlearn because of like past traumas. So I'm trying to learn to not attract those people, the things that I'm trying to unlearn. But right now, I would say I look for people that have empathy. I look for people that are not judgmental as much as as much as you can't be because it's we're human. We all have opinions at the end of the day, but as long as it's not like a super negative judgmental thing, I look for people that are like not aggressive, like not super combative or argumentative. That's a huge trigger for me because I used to be very argumentative just out of anger and like just assuming things like people were talking about me or just whatever. So when I see those traits, I stay far away from them. So I look just for really positive people 
but just try to find people that are just real and just themselves. Like you can be quirky and odd or whatever. And that's amazing because I think that's what makes us all individual and special because I'm a little quirky. I find it odd. It's so important, I think, to like keep those things on top of mind when you are meeting new people or, or when you're sort of thinking about the people that are currently in your life. Do they have those traits? And it really helps people, I think. And my last question for you is, and I ask this of everybody on the podcast, what does the word community mean to you? Community to me is connection and empathy. Awesome. Well, Jody Ann, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I love this conversation. Thank you so much. Honestly, this was awesome. I had so much fun. It was really nice catching up with you as well because it's been forever. <laughs> I had such a great time chatting with Jody Ann, and I hope you learned as much as I did from this episode. You can connect with Jody Ann and learn more about her communities on Instagram at Jody Ann Beckford, at Noir Girls Plant, and at The E Project. You can also check out Jodi Ann's incredible photography at jodiannebeckford.com. Thanks for tuning in to Create Community, a podcast where I chat with incredible community builders to define what community truly means. You can check out the series on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you normally listen. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. I'd really love to hear your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at createcommunitypod or check out our website at createcommunitypod.com for updates. Once again, I'm Marsha Drucker, your host, signing off. A huge thank you to Origins Media House for producing this series. You can find them at originsmediahouse.com, where house is spelled H-A-U-S, or on LinkedIn and Instagram at Origins Media House and Twitter at Origins Media.